At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lombicure, the world messenger, and I am welcoming you for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. I have a very special guest today joining me from Austin, Texas. He is human connection catalyst. My God, can we just learn on that alone? <laughs> he's also doing executive search. He's a consultant. He's involved in a trade. He's also experienced keynote speaker and actually MC. And I know him as a great podcast host with great shows. He's also TEDx speaker and so much more. So without further ado, let me welcome Tom Singer, human connection catalyst. Hi. Hi, Isabella. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. Thank you. I know we just dove into 2021 and things kind of already getting so busy, don't Andy? Yeah, it's been, uh, I mean, last year obviously was just, you know, this crazy year, but uh, even just starting this year, we're, we're a week or two in and I already feel that I'm behind. So I, I, there's a lot to accomplish this year to, to redo, to restart, to reboot, to refurbish. Yes, and also I'm sure many things to let go. And I also feel almost like a desalous energy. I'm just super excited and, and I'm just uh, cannot really wait what this year is gonna unfold because even despite of obstacles we had last year, I'm sure you'll feel like when you'll sum it up, very accomplished. Do you mind just sharing some of the highlights from 2020 and things you learned that really helped you to pivot in 2021? So previous to the pandemic, I made most of my income as a, what I would call a traditional model of a keynote speaker. So I would travel to an association or a company event. I would give the speech or I would serve as the master of ceremonies or, or actually my favorite thing to do was to be the opening keynote speaker and then stay the whole three days as the master of ceremonies, but some form of that. And then uh, they would give me a check and I would go home. And many people told me for years, you really should diversify. What if something happened and you know there, you couldn't travel? Nobody ever said, what if there was a global pandemic and all live events stopped? Uh, so I call March 13th, the day my business died. And it was a really hard couple of weeks in March to watch what was going to be my most successful year in 12 years as a professional speaker, just to watch one event after another, either cancel or postpone. Um, and it, it, was a, it was a rough go for a while, but I had to be scrappy. And uh, I joined a company that I actually had spoken at their partner meeting a couple years ago, doing business development for an executive search firm. And that has been just an awesome journey. I'm learning so much. And then in addition to that, I started speaking and doing some training virtually and I started my career teaching lawyers how to do business development. So I went back to my roots and started coaching lawyers on how to do sales. And when you stitch it all together, the year turned out fine. It was, it was a growth year, if you'll call it that. Sure. I'm sure I'm at quite a bit of transformation, but I just wanted to listeners and people that are watching really understand how important it is. We keep hearing this pivot, but it's like how this applies and allow yourself to fluidly transform and, and adjust because a lot of people did not play, play the game, did not adjust, resist the change, and they feel a little bit stuck. Wouldn't you say that? 
Yeah, I think there were a lot of people who who got stuck. For me, the biggest lesson I learned was that I am not my job description. I am not what it says on my business card. So for many years, people would say, oh, who are you? And I'd say, oh, I'm a professional keynote speaker. And I had some pride in that. It's a, it's a career I dreamed of for a decade before getting into and then had a successful run for almost 12 years. So I was proud of that, but it also sort of became part of my identity. And what I realized, I'm not what I do for a living. And so that was a big, for me, once I let go of that and said, okay, I can do other things. I can, I can take a job with this company. I can start uh, doing coaching. I can do these smaller things and stitch them together and still pay the mortgage. Uh, it was very freeing to not have a label on me. That is actually very beautiful because a lot of people have just that like pinch in the hole themselves or others do that for them and they don't feel like they can uh, translate those skill sets. And one of the skill sets, obviously, that you have that are phenomenal, it's your communication and, and communication style and communication is so important in so many layers within business. So that is amazing. But I also wanted to, if you don't mind, before we dive into Catalyst and how you connect, became human connection Catalyst, do you mind sharing some of your experiences and some of the epic events you attended and you were emceeing and, and, and some conferences in the past that really um, not only were major breakthrough for audience, but also were pivotal for you as well and your growth? Sure. I mean, I, I've had a very eclectic career as a speaker. So I've done everything from doing like a speech to a group of lawyers in a law firm with maybe 15 people. I think the largest audience I've ever spoken to was over 6,000 and everything in between. And people always ask me, do you like the small ones better or the large stages better? And the truth was I liked both. And so I loved being able to do these different things. But uh, my topic was through most of my career was about how do we connect? How do, how do we connect in a gadget crazy world? I became a full-time speaker about the time the iPhone came out. And suddenly everybody was on their phones. People thought live events were gonna go away because likes, links, shares, and follows through all the social media apps were gonna take over networking. And all you were gonna have to do was say, oh, I see Isabella, click. And suddenly you'd have a business relationship. And I knew that wasn't going to be true. And so my, my talk early on was about these tools are fantastic and we should embrace these digital and technology tools. However, nothing replaces that human relationship, that actually understanding and knowing about somebody and knowing a little bit more about who they are at their level of their soul. And so I taught people how to ask questions, um, why you should attend conferences, why you should volunteer for associations within your trade or industry area. And the, the, the talk was, was an interesting talk. And what would happen is in the middle of the, the presentation, if I was at a multi-day conference, I would say, I have an idea. How about if we use this conference as a human laboratory of how you can meet more people? And not everybody in every audience, but a third or half would get really excited about it. And people would come up to me afterwards and be like, I'm out of business cards because of you. You told me to go talk to three people at happy hour. Usually I hide in my room. And um, one meeting planner came up to me and she said, your message was wonderful, not only for people's lives and careers, but look at how it was a technology conference. She goes, I have all CIOs and nobody is on their phone at the coffee break. That's unheard of. What, what did you do to my people? She goes, you were, my, <laughs> you were my conference catalyst. And so that's where the term sort of began. As I told people, when I speak, people will engage more and I'm the conference catalyst. 
And over time that evolved into, I wasn't just the conference catalyst, you know, I was the human connection catalyst because I was teaching people how to just do little things. I wasn't asking them to, you know, jump up and shove business cards in people's hands or, you know, break into conversations. I just gave them little tips on, on how they could start a conversation if they were a little more introverted or that wasn't their area of, of comfort. And it, and it worked. People liked it. And so uh, what happened was that after the years, people would say, you were, we'd like to have you back next year, but I can't have the same speaker. And so I turned the conference catalyst into being a master of ceremonies program so that they could have me year after year. And so one of my favorite things was I probably had eight or nine associations who I didn't just MC once, but in many cases, two, three, and four times. And that made me feel good. It made me feel like I did a good job because you wouldn't invite somebody back uh, if they sucked. Absolutely. Wow. You sure quivered here. Uh, I think that is fantastic actually, because uh, uh, practicing what you preach because a lot of people will give people advice, but they don't do it themselves. And you obviously involve that. You saw what is working. And right now we actually all figured out how important these connections are. And sadly we have to work and connect virtually. So I'm just curious now to pivot that, uh, learning about human dynamics, human behavior, right? And then human connection in a healthy way that it's meaningful that we can build upon, right? Um, and now with virtualization and more than ever utilization of technology, what would you say is different and, and how would you recommend for people to really obtain human connection and to be human connection catalyst? So I rewrote my keynote, I rewrote my talk and I called it social tightening while social distancing. And that's what I've been doing for companies since about April and for associations is having this conversation about what are the things you can do while you're working from home, while you're physically or socially distanced that can help keep relationships alive. And in some cases, cultivate new relationships if you're, if you're meeting new people. And it's not rocket science. The first thing is, is that you have to take ownership of it. If you're not reaching out to people, it's really easy over, we've been at this 10 or 11, coming up on 11 months of being separated. It's really easy to drift apart. And, and there's some truth to the old cliche that out of sight is out of mind. So what I tell companies and, and teams when I'm trying to get them, the manager to have me come talk to his or her team is I say, what if your competitors, whoever they are, what if your competitors are doing a better job during this pandemic of reaching out and either keeping or cultivating new relationships with prospects, with clients, with vendors, with referral sources, et cetera? What if they're doing a better job than you? Who's going to win on the other side? And then I remind them, remember this, mm -hmm. your competitor's prospect is your client. And what if they're doing a better job of this? And, and, all seriousness, this could go on for another year. We could be almost two years of being socially distanced. If you're not actively taking ownership to do that social tightening and keep relationships alive and cultivate them, then it's, it's sort of like a muscle. If you don't work out your social skills, it'll atrophy. So that's what I've been teaching people is, is that you have to take ownership of it, call some people, reach out, email them, whatever way you communicate, and then offer to help. A lot of people are struggling. Um, yeah. be creative in the way you reach out to people. If you just, yeah. if, if everyone is sending emails, your emails are going to get deleted. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a secret. I get more emails now by almost a hundred percent than I did last February, which means 
we're being inundated with people trying to connect by email. So you're not going to stand out if you're sending emails. Yes, that is excellent point. I'm, I love how you were seeing and depicting uh, shifts and change, but also what's working, what is not working, so audience can really uh, benefit from that. Um, I think uh, one of the pieces that I find, and if you don't mind elaborating a little bit more, what actually truly means human connection, and and how is that exhibit? What components of human connection need to be in place? Because I'm seeing people also, you know, doing automated uh, strings of uh, email or quick connecting and immediately pitching of course i mean different levels of skills in the backgrounds and in ways and mindsets obviously but uh ultimately you wanted to help the others that are struggling or they're just not in knowing right but you also wanted to elevate your game with people that are already there and you can make something happen so do you mind differentiating a little bit of that and 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 seeing a little bit deeper just because i'm seeing so many different points of view that will be phenomenal to hear from an expert from the catalyst himself. <laughs> so the first thing that I've been saying for 10 years or 12 years is that a like, a link, a share, or a follow is not a human connection. It's not a friendship. It's not, there's no feeling behind a like, a link, a share, and a follow. And you bring up all of these sort of automated systems on the social media tools like LinkedIn now, where you know there's a bot who is reaching out and it's automatically pitching. And it's not a human. And the, I don't know who that's working for. I don't know who's buying things from bots. I just, there's a lot of noise going on, but I don't yeah. know anyone who it's working for. Now I could be wrong. There's probably people making a lot of more money than me, but people, it's, it's an old cliche, but people do business with people they know, they like, and they trust. But the first thing is all cliches are based in truth. So this is based in real truth. But here's the thing, the definition of, you know, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. But the definition of the word know, K-N-O-W, that has changed drastically over the past 10 or 12 years because of social media and the digital tools that we use. People now all think they know everybody. If they listen to your podcast, they're like, oh yeah, I totally know Isabella. Well, no, they know the part of you that comes to this podcast. Or if people read my blog, they're like, oh, I know Tom. No, they know what I write about. They don't know about me. And so, you know, people think, oh, you know, I know them because I've heard of them. So the definition of the word no for many people is now I know of them. So I press people. Do you know them well enough? Who do you know well enough that if you didn't have plans for Thanksgiving or Christmas, they would say, well, please come join my family for dinner. Now, of course, in 2020, 21, 20, we can't go to anyone's house for dinner if we don't live with them. But the point being is that's a relationship. A really, you don't have to be best friends to invite someone for Thanksgiving. Over the years, my wife and I have hosted many people who we kind of knew who didn't have plans, but we knew them well enough that we would invite them into our home because otherwise they'd be eating a frozen dinner on Thanksgiving and we didn't want that. Now, I'm not going to do that with everybody who I have some sort of a digital click to. So what we're striving for with a human connection is understanding and feeling. If you don't understand somebody and you don't have some modicum of like, then you would never say, here, let me help you out in whatever situation you're in. So we're not really having connections if you don't understand who they are and if you don't have some sort of a feeling. So it's, you know, I said the definition of the word no has changed. So it used to be, it was a process to get to know somebody. And along that process, like and trust came along. 
But here's the thing. Now we jump forward. We, we, we meet somebody, we link in with them and we think, oh yeah, I know them. We never get to like and trust. So in today's world, when you can get to like and trust, that's where the magic happens. Mm, wow. And, and everything you shared, this is so beautiful and eye-opening. And I believe also very transformative as, as you even just shared how no changed and meaning of knowing uh, changed so much. And I feel like we live in also a little bit in a patient state. Like we want to just immediately go up to volume to the masses and, 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 and takes time to nurture, groom and, 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 and cultivate these relationships. And I feel like is it, are you after the quantity versus the quality where maybe quantity is okay if you're sharing podcasts to the masses, right? Versus when you really have an inner circle and having mastermind or specific discussions and conversation around executive search or C-suite conversations or whatnot. So people need to differentiate when, when, when depth of that relationship is there. And that takes time, right? None of this is happening overnight. You have a great personal brand. You have a great reputation. I know we have so many people in our inner circle. I believe I met you in one of the podcast events years ago down in San Diego. I'm not sure. I think I recall that I met yeah, you. Yeah, new, new Media Summit. I do remember. Yes, that. yes, yes. And 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 then you really from there kind of see what people do, or do they take their game to the next level, or how they show up as a leaders, right? So when you look at all of that, all kinds of comes full circle back. Again, who do I trust? Who do I feel that it's worthy or deserves, um, you know, like to really be amplified as a phenomenal legacy leader, somebody who is a great role model, because that distills even more so, right, of somebody's persona. Are they walking their talk? Are they truly showing up every day? Or they're just showing up in their blog and their podcast or preconceived socially outside in social media, but in personal life, it's a disconnect, right? So it's just so many layers there, but I don't know what's about this frenzy of um, speed and, and, and uh, not giving enough time to do proper connections and proper nurturing. Well, we, we have a problem in our society where we sort of worship the outlier, the guru who maybe does, sometimes it takes them years to get there. Sometimes it's fast, but we look at that person who is that outlier, that sort of uh, either self-appointed or otherwise appointed guru. And everybody thinks, oh, I want to be like that person. And I'll just use Tony Robbins as an example. I meet speakers, young speakers all the time who want to motivate. They want to help. They, they really have the right space in their heart. And they go, I want to build a business like Tony Robbins. Well, I don't know that anybody in the world of, of personal growth and speaking has ever built a business like Tony Robbins. So they're basically saying, I want to do what the one outlying person has done. So there's a lot of steps between being a 19-year-old motivated person who wants to serve and being, I don't know, Tony Robbins must be near 60 years old. He's got to be older than I am. Uh, you know, 60 year old, you know, motivational guru, and they want to jump forward. The problem is, is that even if you reversed engineered Tony Robbins life, it didn't happen overnight. He struggled when he was 19, 20, 25. But then where he started to get his breaks was when he used to buy TV time in the 1980s, in the middle of the night, when TV usually would just turn off and they would do infomercials. Well, the thing was back then you could buy time on your local TV stations, which by the way, depending on the size of your city, there was only three, four or five TV stations. You could buy the time at two in the morning for pennies on the dollar. 
Well, now, first of all, there's thousands of stations with cable and they don't sell it that cheap. So you could never do what Tony Robbins did. Tony Robbins couldn't become Tony Robbins today. So everybody wants to fast forward and be who someone like that is today. The problem is, is that the world has changed. So you can't even repeat the steps that that person took. So I think one of the problems is people want to be the guru without putting in the time and the work, and they want to copy gurus who are not copyable. So my advice always is don't look at the outlier. Look at the people who are two or three steps in front of you and figure out what are they doing or what did they do? Because that you can maneuver, you can follow the path. Now, there's always gonna be people who two and three times jump forward, but I don't know that you can plan for that. I think that's serendipity. That is very powerful and very, very true. Thank you again for giving another great golden nugget there because a lot of times we're trying to copy other, uh, other people and I'm like, try be authentic, just try to be you. And that is sometimes really what audience wants and need. We don't need another copy or another way of, uh, you know, resembling something. And, 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 and that discord and disconnect really does shows that, right? Because it's, it's not in your alignment, it's not authentic to you. And as a result, a lot of people struggle with their success and their struggle to also build their trust because people can sense that. Well, and I always try to be really authentic. I always let people know I'm not earning a half million dollars or a million dollars a year. And, and I, I haven't along the way. I had a job as a, as a corporate marketing and salesperson. And when I became a professional speaker, within a year, I was making as much money as I was in corporate America. And the amount of money I've made over the 10 years has been a little bit more than I probably would have made in a corporate marketing job. And there are people who you know, are making good solid six figures who pretend they're making a million dollars a year. Well, I don't want to pretend if, if you're pretend, you got to keep a lot of, you got to keep a lot of lies straight when you're pretending. So I always tell people right up front, I've been successful. I have made my entire living as a professional speaker for 12 years and it's been a fine living. We're not spending the summers in Hawaii. I don't own, you know, a house on Lake Geneva, but we have a pretty good little life. And, you know, we do it by being scrappy and figuring things out. And I am who I am. And, and if people want to hire me and work with me, that's awesome. If they want to hire someone else and work with somebody else, that's awesome. That is so beautiful. And I'm glad you touched on because we also are seeing each other right now in the clubhouse, another big, huge buzz uh, <laughs> where everybody's coming in. And when you really, truly have a chance to be with all these entrepreneurs and successful leaders, but it's interesting. We have a two kind of tribes, people that are leading with their like throwing in your face accomplishments and seven figure, eight figure money, this and the other. And then the guys who are still extremely successful, but they're not throwing financial things up to face and really tells me level of their maturity, who they are as a person, what they're trying to prove, what it's important to them and, and what they lead with. And, 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 and it's just so kind of in a way entertaining, but I also have to say, I start to, to asking questions and, and every Everybody has a different definition of success. And I love what you said. It's not necessarily about a specific figure, but it's about being happy with you, have, having the flexibility in your schedule, having time to spend with your family and with your children, with your wife, uh, and do what you love, quality versus quantity. And many people don't understand that yet. Well, I don't think we should keep score with money. And everybody has different desires of what they want their lifestyle to be. And if you're able to accomplish those, then you're then you're a success. Now, some people want to have a yacht. I 
to me, a yacht would be a big pain in the butt because I live in the <laughs> middle of Texas. Where would I park a yacht? You know, I, I know someone who owns a yacht in the Virgin Islands that he is lucky to get there once a year. I'm like, that's a lot of money to spend on a boat that you never visit. So it's not on my desire list. Would I like to, to climb the, the financial ladder a little more? Sure. I'm only 54 years old. I figure I've got another 15 super active years of, of doing this type of work. And, uh, you know, I'm aggressive and I'm scrappy and I'll, I'll recover from what I call 2020 uh, financially. That was kind of a hard year. But you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, again, I don't think we need to keep score by who has the, the biggest toys. I think we really need to keep score is are you rich in people? Mm. If you're rich in people, you're going to be there. I mean, you know, when my business evaporated, I had two or three people who reached out and told me, by the way, you will not lose your house, which basically I wasn't going to anyway. I had enough money and savings to cover the year and I had an emergency fund, but I had friends who they didn't know that and they were wealthy and they said, look, if you're in trouble, we'll, we'll you know, I will help you. That's what makes somebody rich is do you have friends who will step up and help you when you're in when you're in a rough spot? And fortunately, I, I wasn't in that rough of a spot, but it, it melted my heart in a good way that yes. people said, hey, you know, I got your back. That's that's what makes you rich. And I love what you just said that because for me is all about then how we shop, are we good humans? Are we really quality human beings that we are not only looking after ourselves but looking after others? Because sometimes even just that call and beautiful words or uh, words of encouragement means millions of dollars to someone. Uh, I've seen so many lonely people that are quote unquote financially well off, but they're miserable. Uh, we've seen all kinds of different things. And I love that you also pointed out the different levers and different points of measuring and, and focus uh, should be. And for me, it's always been through the lens of leadership, honestly, because to me, if you're a great, phenomenal leader, you're a great human because you cannot be a great leader if, you, if you're a shitty human. It just doesn't work that way. <laughs> and, and, and I know that a lot of times it's like, it comes out, seeps, bleeds through, we see it. And, and, and however people try to hide sooner or later show up because how do you treat people that cannot do anything for you? How you also show up to volunteer or give back? And I love your mindset because you're always looking avenues and ways to give back. So uh, I just want to say kudos for doing that, Tom. And I always try to say yes. Today, there was a conversation. I was on, in a room on Clubhouse and someone's like, I've been asked to be on a ton of podcasts. So I thought that meant like hundreds. And she's like, I just don't have the time. And I go, well, how many? And she goes like once a week. And I'm like, well, you don't have a half hour once a week? you know?" And she goes, well, but these people, they aren't as accomplished as I am. And I said, I say yes. If I have the if I have the time now, I used to travel 120 100 to 120 nights a year. That made it harder for me to say yes to to helping other people out or to being a guest on their show. But I'm home now, and it's like you know I can do that, and and my kids are grown, so I don't have to stop working at five. I could do a recording at 5 p.m. So I try to be flexible, and if if I can help somebody, and you know I host a couple of podcasts, and I know it's hard to get good guests. If somebody wants me on, I try to say yes whenever I can. And this woman was, she goes, I was taught to look for reasons to say no, and I said, if you look for reasons to say no, you're going to miss opportunities. Mm. 
That is very good point. And one point what I'm also seeing people is like, who is upping up? Who has a more followers and which social media? Who is better connected? Which rank they belong? Which kind of prestigious club? And all of a sudden, I really start shifting and, and it's naturally separating people. Are we here for, again, for service, for serving, for supporting and helping? Are we here to live in artificial world? And, and in that world, that world is very miserable and empty, actually. It's not satisfying because they're always looking for something else for something else and it's just an arrogant way also to as you said you miss out but you also hurt somebody's feelings because somebody who is maybe not as accomplished as you are at the moment that can change in a split second 2020 share uh, completely <laughs> shatters so much of that and and showed us that if you already didn't know that that is really reality so i i just don't understand uh it just never was me and never will be me but i can understand that this many people fortunately still think that way but on, on the on the on the different note here, obviously, uh, you were speaking on TEDx and multiple times actually, and you also have a multiple podcast shows. Do you mind just sharing a little bit to audience that are not familiar with your work? Uh, what podcast shows you're focusing on, and what subjects? Because I know sure. you have quite a bit of passion there. Sure. Well, I've I've actually done one TEDx, but uh, I've done I've been a speaker at South by Southwest several times, but I've only done one TEDx. So it's okay. called The Art of Giving Small. And uh, people can find that on my website or just if you Google the art of giving small TEDx, uh, it shows up and it's about sort of a way my wife and I designed giving to charity as, as we launched my speaking business. Um, our youngest daughter was born with a condition where she had to have some very massive surgery as an infant and she's fine now. She's a, she's a freshman at an Ivy League college and she's really cool and she's super smart but her life didn't start off that way. She had some serious issues she had to overcome. And uh, so we figured out a way to give back. And so that's what that TEDx talk was about. Uh, but then I host, I host four shows right now. Uh, wow. I've, had a show, I've had a show for six and a half years called Making Waves at Sea Level. It used to be called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I, I changed the brand of the show when I went to work for Stanton Chase, the executive search firm, so that I could focus on that sea level uh, person because that would put some alignment into the different areas of my life. But uh, I've hosted that, done, like I said, over 625 interviews. And then during the pandemic, I launched a video show called The Webinar Talk Show, where myself and another speaker showcased our abilities and our experience in interviewing people because we think that so many webinars and so many conferences are boring with long speeches. And sometimes it would be better to have a short speech and then have a really skilled interviewer sit down with that expert and really get the information out of them in an engaging, interactive manner. So we created the webinar talk show as a way to showcase our skills. And now she and I get hired together and separately to host virtual conferences. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, I uh, acquired a, a essentially a job with an association as their co-host of their podcast. So it's actually a position that they, they pay me to do, and it's called the Digital Enterprise Society Podcast. And then uh, this month in January, we're launching Speakernomics, which is about the business and money-making side of the speaking industry. And I'm launching that along with the National Speakers Association. That's going to become their new podcast in January. 
Oh, that is fantastic. So even speaker associations recognizing, you know, this is lasting longer than we want. I'm sure they're severely affected financially. And, yes. and what do we do to pivot? What do we do to, to, to survive? And then how do we utilize this new normal that might actually continue? Because I keep hearing even when pandemic over a lot of corporations, uh, specifically around Fortune 500 with their teams around the world will do more maybe virtual events or specifically scaled events um, if they're in the person uh, due to uh, just other issues that we're, we're going to be experiencing economically and everything with trade with uh, with uh, um, recovery and post recovery of this huge uh, ebb and flow of, of changes, right? Yeah, and the idea behind Speakernomics is we're going to focus, the interviews will be done only a couple of weeks before they air, so they'll all be very fresh. Uh, and everyone I interview, it starts off with, I ask them, even before I introduce the guest, what are two takeaways, two tips that speakers can take right now to make money? Then I introduce them, then we unpack those tips. And so every single show is going to have at least two ideas on how you can be more successful if you work with and around the spoken word. And by the way, the National Speakers Association is sort of broadening their membership that anyone who uses the spoken word as part of their business is really a speaker because that includes podcasters and trainers and, and coaches and other people. So it's, it's, it's really reaching out to everybody. I'm super excited for that because it's so much needed. And I also think a lot of, as you know, being in podcast industry so long, so many people also looking how they can financially uh, get rewarded for their efforts and yep. how they can convert their podcast to be profitable. Uh, it's a lot of competition out there, but as you said, if you differentiate yourself with a quality, a quality guest, quality questions, quality venue, you have so much already going on for you. And then you have a phenomenal connections and great guests. Um, everything just speaks for itself, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, I, I love making waves at sea level. It's, it's been part of my life for six and a half years, but I'm really excited about, and I, and I love a webinar talk show and the Digital Enterprise Society podcast, but Speakernomics has me really excited in 2021. And as we're seeing on your wall, that is the, the types of, of your podcast there. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I'm, I'm having the Speakernomics logo printed tomorrow. So that'll be that'll be on my wall. <laughs> New edition. <laughs> That's fantastic, Tom. I'm so glad to see and hear that um, not only yourself, because it's so easy for us that we're like already very fluid and in tune what is happening to adjust our game, but there are also large corporations and associations are accepting and allowing change and transformation that is necessary to propel them forward. Yeah. One of my other goals is to end up with, with an, another paid podcast uh, hosting gig for a company. I'm working right now with a company to become the voice of their podcast. So if I could have three or four shows that I work on, that would help me with my, my overall pivot that it has had to happen. Wow, that is that is great. I am looking forward to see where things unfold in 2021. They'll look very promising. Uh, and um, if you don't mind, just to share some Fitbits for, for the guys, because I know that so many people are actually jumping on the podcasting wagon. Uh, do you mind sharing just something from your experience or, or, or even virtual trainings and communication? What would you recommend for them that are beside, obviously, coming to your podcast, listening and, and learning? Uh, what would you say for 2020? It's must have, must do. 
So my tip to everybody, whether it's uh, someone who's doing a virtual presentation or someone who is starting a podcast, if there's going to be human connection, human engagement, human conversation going on, if you're going to be doing an interview show or if you're going to be sitting down to do a fireside chat of some some kind, remember this, and that is conversations don't have scripts. So often I listen to podcasts and they ask every single guest, whether it's the president of the United States or someone who works in the sanitation department, they ask them the same questions. So conversations don't work that way. If you met someone in a bar and they were a corporate attorney, you would ask them different questions than if you met someone in a bar and they were a Broadway actress. So conversations don't have scripts. So while you might want to have a guiding way, you want to be open to letting the conversation go where it goes. I love it. That is my favorite. And that's kind of who I am. I love organic, you know, yes. I can tell. (laughs) I can tell this whole conversation has been, has been free flowing. So you already know that. Thank you. But, but, but it's also beautiful when you have a guest like that, because so many people are like, could you please send me questions in advance? I need to prepare. And they're creating this anxiety, but they're in such a like very visible roles. And I was like, I'm not going to get you on the show. I'm not going to ask you controversial questions. So don't worry. I got your back. But in the same time, I was like, I'm here. I'm going to help you, but let's just not make it mechanical. Let's make it fluid. And then also let's figure it out. What can we give back? So the audience and listeners really can learn and, and, and forward uh, push forward to their, their, their career or, or their growth, whatever that might be, right? Oh, abs- absolutely. And I tell guests all the time, well, just like you said, I'm not a gotcha show. This is not hardball. I'm not coming after you. So, you know, treat it like it's, it's two friends having a glass of wine, having a conversation, because that's where the magic happens. I, I can't agree more, and, and, and it's been absolutely great to talk to you, Tom. And one of the things, again, I love and admire your leadership and how you show up, and guys, consistency is phenomenal. Even a few years back, you know, we're, we're, we're still seeing the same human with great quality. <laughs> so that is also very refreshing. So however you chose to show up, be consistent. Don't drop the ball. Don't, don't try to play the games. And, and because those that, that things really kill everything, and including opportunities that can really help you more than ever to move forward. Um, so if you don't mind, Tom, you accomplished so much. I already shared what you're gonna be doing in 2021, but I'm curious now, what is kind of like one of those legacy pieces and components, right? You, you've been obviously speaker and podcaster and you have uh, helped so many people along the way, but what would you like to be remembered by? What would you say as a, I, I lived and I did this and I'm absolutely fulfilled and happy. That I was a damn good dad. Wow. And, and husband. I would like very much, I mean, the, the money, the success, the fact that I got to have kind of a cool career and travel the world speaking, that's, that's fun. And that makes great cocktail party stories. But my wife and I have two daughters and we're very proud of them. And I'll tell you, I've never been so happy to have adult children in my life since the pandemic came. There's been no need to homeschool. Um, uh, last year, I had a college graduate and a high school senior. Um, the college graduate uh, was supposed to get married in October. I'm sorry, she was supposed to get married in May. Uh, they had to postpone that because the resort closed because of COVID. Uh, they moved it to October. They were going to get married on the beach and have the reception at her in-laws' home in San Diego. And so we were going to have a. We went from a, a resort ski wedding to a beach wedding. Uh, that had to be postponed because of COVID. And coming into 2021, they don't know when the wedding is going to happen, but they still love each other. They're going to get married when they can. 
and uh, but but she's 21. Her sister is a freshman in college, and uh, I think the the only thing that I think my wife and I would say is the legacy is that we have two really smart, highly accomplished, highly spirited daughters. That is beautiful. That is well done. And and, and one math genius, soon to be son-in-law. Wow, that is fantastic. Well done, dads. Uh, obviously, it's it's beautiful when I also see people that value to recognize the value early on of the family, and specifically right now during the challenging times, because those things make you or break you. And if you didn't have a good foundation, then things easily crumble. So it's so beautiful to hear uh, not only pride, but also dedication and many, many years of work and effort there and prioritization. And, and, and we're very fortunate. We like the guy she's marrying. So, Oh, that is fantastic. That is great. So now you're getting son, son, son-in-law in, in the family and in that picture. That's fantastic. Kudos. Kudos, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a great show. I, I can't wait for it to come out. I, I'm going to promote it all over my social media. This has been great. Thank you, Tom. It means a lot specifically for somebody with insane uh, tenure and experience and everything that you accomplished. So it really means a lot to me. And in last and closing, before we close, guys, I will share the links in and you guys can reach directly to Tom, listen to his podcast. And I really look forward to seeing what 2024 for us. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Isabella. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.